Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is series 3 episode 64 of this daily study podcast. Thank you very much for listening today as we begin our new study uh, for this week covering March the 1st to March the 7th, uh, covering Doctrine and Covenants sections 20 to 22. And today uh, we're going to begin uh, with the first, um, well, the background and context of Doctrine and Covenants se- section 20. This, of course, is the um, the very long, lengthy uh, revelation that's given to the Prophet Joseph Smith regarding the establishment of the church. Now, interestingly, a couple of things we need to understand about this. First of all, is that this revelation wasn't presented to the church until the 9th of June, 1830. Now, I have to say that this is particularly interesting for me personally, because I was born on the 6th of April, uh, 1990. So, you know, the 6th of April, we know in the church has a very special date connotation with the fact the church was organised on the 6th of April. Um, and some potential, uh, potentially another date, which is uh, of interest, which we may talk about at the end. Uh, but for, for, for just now, um, you know, we know the church was organised on the 6th of April, 1830. Uh, and then this revelation was given uh, and was approved by the membership uh, on the 9th of June, 1830. Uh, that is my wife's birthday. So uh, that is a, a very interesting um, kind of alignment of dates there for us two. Um, but um, this revelation was was given and it's quite unique. Now, I'm going to be sharing this from the Joseph Smith Papers analysis of this uh, revelation. But it says, quote, no other early revelatory text produced by Joseph Smith was presented to a conference of the church for the approbation of the membership, close quote. It's also different uh, because it's not a revelation given to Joseph for another person or a revelation given to to Joseph himself directly. Rather, it's the voice of the Lord speaking to to a general population, as it were, in in the third person at times. Um, talking about the history of the the church up to that point and how it's come to be, um, and so it you know it is very different in a way. Um, this revelation, uh, however, would be very important for the the organisation of the church. Uh, we know that um, it was probably being worked on uh, from mid eighteen twenty nine. Also, with not just. Um, Joseph Smith's uh, revelation process, but also Oliver Cowdery going through the Book of Mormon uh, and identifying key parts of our organization, which is really interesting because I think we sometimes think that the Book of Mormon, whilst it is another testament of Jesus Christ, it's quite separate from the organized restored church. But actually, uh, a lot of the, the principles and the precepts that made the organization of the church came from the Book of Mormon itself. Um so much so that to the point that um, when Joseph Smith wrote about how, uh, well, John in uh, Revelation Book One, John Whitmer's heading describing this uh, revelation, it said it was quote given to Joseph the seer by the gift and power of God. Um, Oliver Cowdery later added quote and Oliver an apostle, um, which is interesting because Oliver clearly here wants to kind of just make sure that people know that he you know had a part in this process. Uh, which uh, which is interesting. You kind of get a bit of a an, an insight into uh, the um, the characters of these men, and just how uh, they they wanted to you know have that be able to help and do the work, but also make sure that their work was was recognised. And how and how often are we like that? You know, I think that's something that we should probably not look too um, harsh on Oliver for. Uh, I think you know maybe if I was in the same situation, I would probably feel that I want to um, have a bit of recognition for that. 
So um, this is, uh, you know, an important document. Uh, and there's also an interesting um, story behind how it came forth as well. So it actually was published uh, in the Telegraph as well. And uh, it said, uh, and there's a story behind this in the Joseph Smith papers. It says, quote, the Telegraph claimed it had obtained the copy from, of articles and covenants from the hand of Martin Harris, one of the original proprietors of the gold Bible speculation. While this story cannot be corroborated, many years later, a Kirtland resident claimed in a letter reflecting on the events of early 1831 that Martin Harris, one of the three witnesses to the Book of Mormon in the course of the winter, came to this place with a revelation from Joseph to the saints, and they were commanded not to let the Gentiles see it or know anything of its purport. One evening, he was in a large social circle in deep conversation when I discovered the revelation in his hat, pocketed it, and with a young man by the name of Tania, withdrew unobserved from the company, copied it, and returned it to his hat before the company broke up. And in a few days, copies of it were circulating among the Gentiles, very much to their consternation and mystification, close quote. I just, when I, would, when I studied that and read that, I just had to share it. I just thought it was absolutely um, hilarious that, you know, even with, you, you can see the, um, the persecution and the, um, the, the difficulties that Joseph had to uh, navigate through. And even this, you know, is just an example of the, the things that they had to work with and, and overcome. And it's just interesting that it's once again, Martin Harris letting slip something that he shouldn't have, which is a uh, blessing is, is not something after particularly the, the study that we've had last week with Martin Harris and the great sacrifice he made. It, it's uh, something which we shouldn't, again, you know, look down on him for. But it's just uh, it was I thought it was an interesting insight there. So going to the actual revelation itself, then Doctrine and Covenants section 20. Um, it was obviously referring to the organization of the church on the day of the 6th of, 6th of April, 1830. Uh, and we know, you know, many, and many of you will know kind of what happened on that day itself in terms of the organization of the church. But we know that the, the sacrament was given, that the, that the group was, you know, there were six official members of the church uh, that were on April the 6th, but then many more were baptized afterwards. The, 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 the Whitmer home itself held about 30 to 40 people, which which many people say is the first miracle of the church. Because when you go and see this home, you, you kind of wonder how on earth did you get all these people in here? Social distancing was obviously not uh, something on the uh, agenda at that point. Uh, we also know that Joseph Smith, uh, on that same day, um, after the sacraments, uh, and after the baptisms, maybe possibly after the baptisms occurred or before, a revelation was given, uh, Doctrine and Covenants 21, and we'll look more in detail in that in a, day, in a few days. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it was clearly a significant and hallowed day. Speaking of this day, in verse 1 it says, The rise of the Church of Christ in these last days, being 1,830 years since the coming of, of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ in the flesh, it being regularly organized and established agreeable to the laws of our country by the will and commandments of God in the fourth month and on the sixth day of the month, which is called April. First thing to note from this is that members of the church and the church in general are um, insistent that we do things the correct way in, in accordance with the laws of the land, which is why six people were the, were the members of the church to begin with. It was the law at the time that you had to have between three and nine uh, members of a church to be able to register it as a new church. And so it was important that the, that the church began its roots and beginnings um, in agreement with and according to the law of the land. 
which makes you think that later on, you know, when there are all sorts of accusation ma- accusations made against the church and its leaders, just really, why would uh, that have taken place? But anyway, I'm sure we'll get to those um, events later on. The other thing that obviously is probably the elephant in the room right now is about the date of the 6th of April. Now, we know that there are a number of apostles and prophets that have stated that 6th of April is the date that uh, Jesus Christ was born. Uh, went um, back in back at the uh, start in the meridian of time. Um, we know that you know some point some points to this verse um, as evidence of that. I'm not so sure that this verse itself is evidence of that. You know, if you say that the Church of Christ was 1,830 years since the coming of our Lord, you're not necessarily necessarily saying on this specific day. Um, you know, if I meet a friend four years ago. I would just say I met them four years ago. I wouldn't say four years ago on this specific date of this year. I'd just say, oh, yeah, we met around four years ago. We met four years ago. Um, So I don't think that this verse necessarily confirms it. However, we have had a number of revelations and a number of um, apostles and prophets have stated that this is the case. And so I'm perfectly fine with with accepting that. Uh, But I I would not point to this as the evidence necessarily myself. Um, However... Uh, Gordon B. Hinckley, uh, about the rise of the church, said this, quote, My brethren and sisters, I greet you with love and sincere appreciation. Today is the birthday of the church. It was organised 156 uh, years ago. Six men participated as the official incorporating body. Those original six have now become approximately six million. The growth of this work has been a consistently unfolding miracle. And what an exciting and wonderful experience it is to be part of it. Although storms of adversity have raged against it, it continues to move steadily forward along the course which the Almighty has outlined for it. It does so quietly without great noise and fanfare, touching for good the lives of men and women across the earth. Its mission is not empire building. Its mission is to teach faith and repentance and to bring truth and gladness to all who will listen and hearken to its message. Close quote. Now, when you think that this um, quote was given by, by Gordon B. Hinckley, 156 years after the uh, founding of the church, uh, that, of course, when I do my quick maths, places that quote in 1986, I believe. Yes. Um, and it was six million. Here we are now, another 10, 20, 30, 30 plus years afterwards, and we're up to 16 million. And it's a wonderful um, testament to the, the growth of the church and just the great um, vision that the, that the Lord had for his church. So we'll dive properly into this uh, chapter tomorrow uh, after we've now we've looked at the background and context of it. Thank you for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please follow the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. Uh, You can also email ldsstudysession at gmail.com with any feedback that you have as well. Thank you for your time and until we meet again.